Okay, so very, very good to see all the familiar faces again. Because some of you remember we met in 2015 and again in 2016. You know, when uh, Pastor Kevork sent me an email in January, it was to come here to talk for Adonep for 35 minutes. That was all that he told me. I wasn't coming to talk on Sunday. It cost more than 16,000 Australian dollars for Jesse and I to come here. Plus at least three days of our time. Just for 35 minutes. And we pay, we don't charge anybody, we pay our own flights. And I'm booked 18 months in advance, but he only booked six months in advance. And my wife said, Dave, is this a good uh, expense with your time and money? And I said, yes, this is an excellent uh, way to spend time and money. And the reason for that is because when I asked the pastor, he told me that many of you guys would be at Adonep. And so the reason I came was because you guys were going to be at Adonep. Because the last two times that I've come here, you guys are so enthusiastic for God. And so committed for the kingdom of God. And that was literally the reason I came. So you guys are worth it. <laughs> Okay, so today I wanted to talk about the correlation between communion and corruption. Because we will never bring the kingdom of God into Lebanon unless we deal with the corruption. So most of the time we take uh, communion on Sundays in churches. But there's a direct relationship between that communion and the corruption that is going on in the marketplace all over the world, not just here. So let's take a look where does communion originate from, the Last Supper. And let's remember some key words that Jesus said, eat this to remember me. And you have to remember that in Jesus' time, the whole of Palestine was so corrupt. Much worse than today. The Romans were corrupt, the priests were corrupt, the Jewish leaders were corrupt. Okay, so, so all of the leadership of the nation were very, very corrupt. So you guys know about the Last Supper, right? And you know what was going on at the time. There was a plot to kill Jesus going on, right? So in Luke 22, verse 1, it says it was almost time for the Jewish festival of unleavened bread called the Passover. The leading priests and teachers of the law wanted to kill Jesus. But they were trying to find a quiet way to do it because they were afraid of what the people would do. 
One of Jesus' 12 apostles was named Judas Iscariot. Satan entered him. This is important. Satan entered him. This is Satan's plan. And verse uh, 4, he went and, this is Judas, he went and talked to the leading priests and some of the soldiers who guarded the temple. He talked about to them about a way to hand Jesus over to them. The priests were very happy about this. They promised to give Judas a lot of money. And so he agreed. Then he waited for the best time to hand Jesus over to them. Okay, so here we see somebody uh, who's about to betray Jesus for money. He's going to betray Jesus for his own personal financial gain. Judas is corrupt. And here we find the priests are corrupt. They're trying to bribe him. And the Roman soldiers are also involved. They also want to uh, bribe bribe, uh, Judas. Okay, verse 14. Uh, The time came for them to eat the Passover meal. Jesus and the apostles were together at the table. Then he took some bread and he thanked God for it. He broke some pieces off and he gave it to the apostles and he said, this is my body that I'm giving for you. Eat this to remember me. So, remember me, remember me, remember me. That's what he's saying here. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this wine represents the new agreement from God to his people. It'll begin when my blood is poured out for you. And then in verse 21, Jesus said, but Here on this table is the hand of one who will hand me over to my enemies. So it's in the same conversation that Jesus is talking about communion that he's also talking about corruption. It's the same narrative. It's even the same sentence. And then he says, the Son of Man will do what God has planned. So Jesus is saying, I will finish my assignment. I will go to the cross. But it will be very bad for the one who hands the Son of Man over to be killed. So Jesus is offering him a chance to repent and change his mind. But he's so corrupt, he prefers to take the 30 pieces of silver. Okay, and in Matthew, this is Matthew's version of the same discussion. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 24. And he says, it says, the Son of Man will suffer what the Scriptures say will happen to him. But it will be very bad for the one who hands the Son of Man over to be killed. It would be better for him if he had not been born. So this is derived from Deuteronomy 8.19. And this is what it says. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget thy Lord. Remember the Lord is saying, remember me, remember me, but if you forget me, and you walk after other gods. Okay, so Judas is walking after the god of Mammon. And he says, if you walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, 
I will testify you I will testify against you that you will surely perish. Okay, so you can see that the communion that we take on Sundays is directly related to corruption even to the extent of being complicit in murder to make money. Okay, so that is why in Deuteronomy 8:18 it says, "Remember me, remember the Lord your God." Because I gave you the power to create wealth. And that is why both Matthew and Luke say, "Remember me, remember me, always in association with wealth and corruption." Okay, so you know the rest of the story. Jesus is then crucified and the veil in the temple is torn. And the veil was the, uh, the, the curtain that was that uh, uh, covered the Holy of Holies where the priest could go in. And the, the chief of priests was going in there, the high priest, and he was coming out with all sorts of lies and telling them how to put the prices up for everything in the temple. So the crucifixion, that was now torn and the power of the chief of priests or the, or the uh, head priest was now broken. And that meant the people could bypass the corruption and go boldly before the Father. But listen to this, the greed and corruption came back immediately. Let's look at the burial of Jesus and see what happened. Okay, Matthew 27 verse 62. That was the day they called the preparation day. The next day, the leading priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate. Now don't forget, this is the leading priest and the Pharisees, the political leaders of the nation. And they said, Sir, to Pilate, we remember that while that liar was still alive, he said, I will rise from the dead three days later. So why don't, we give, why don't you give the order for the tomb to be guarded well for three days? So that his followers, in case his followers might come and try to steal the body. And then if they did that, they could tell everybody that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that lie would be even worse than this liar has already said. So you see, the priests are so corrupt that they think the followers of Jesus are also corrupt. And so Pontius Pilate says, take some soldiers and go and guard the tomb the best way you can. And verse 66 says, they all went to the tomb and made it safe from thieves. And they did it by putting a large stone in front of the entrance and guarding it. So if you study the background to the Bible, you will find that there were many soldiers who had to move that, that stone was so big. Okay, so chapter 28, verse 1, this is Matthew. The day after the Sabbath was the first day of the week. That day at dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared from the sky and there was a huge earthquake. So the angel went to the tomb 
and by himself he rolled the stone away. And then he sat on top of the stone. Now remember this is the same stone that many many soldiers had to put there and those soldiers were watching. And they must have gone, huh? How did you do that? Okay, so the angel was shining as bright as lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And in verse 4, the soldiers guarding the tomb were very afraid of the angel. They shook with fear and became like dead men, so they froze. The angel said to the women, to the two Marys, Don't be afraid. If you're looking for Jesus, the one that was killed on the cross, I know that. But he's not here. He is risen from the dead, and uh, as he said he would, come and see the place where his body was. Remember, the soldiers are listening to this. They've seen all this going on now. So the angel says to the two Marys, go quickly and tell Jesus' followers that he has risen from the dead. And he says, uh, he is going to be in Galilee and will be there before you. You will see him there. And then the angel said to everybody that was listening, including the soldiers, now I have told you. So the women ran off to go and tell the followers. And the soldiers who were guarding the tomb ran off to go and tell the Jewish leaders. And they said to the leading priests, they told them everything that had happened. So now the priests know exactly what has gone on. So the priests then went and met with the older Jewish leaders. And, and said, we have to make a plan. And they decided to pay the soldiers a lot of money to lie. They said to the soldiers, tell the people that Jesus' followers came during the night and stole the body while you were sleeping. Uh, but if the governor hears about this, meaning Pilate, if Pilate hears about this, meaning if you Pilate hears that you were sleeping on guard, we will talk to him and get you out of trouble. Normally, if a Roman soldier sleeps on guard, it's a punishable by death. So obviously the priests are corrupt, the older Jewish leaders are corrupt, and Pontius Pilate is also corrupt. And in verse 15 it says, the soldiers kept the money and obeyed the priests. So the soldiers took the bribe. So they are also corrupt. So everyone's corrupt except the two Marys. <laughs> okay, so you see what it's like in those days, and it's still the same today, isn't it? We have to know that it's always the same battle for the same ground. If we are going to go into the marketplace to overcome this, we need to know the enemy. That enemy, Satan, entered him. And its greed and self-centeredness is the enemy of the Lord in the marketplace. It's a case that the devil is always trying to win mankind over by creating an allegiance to money and assets. 
Եվ թշնամի միշտ այսպես մարտարարած գուզե կրավել իրեն համար թրամով և գալվածներով։ And God is always trying to win us back so that our allegiance goes to the provider of the assets. Եվ ասված գուզե միշտ մեզ շահիլ իրեն համար որբեսի մեր հավադարմությունը լա այդ գալվածներուն եւ թրամին դիրոջ որին կնե։ So what now? If Jesus can't stop the greed, how can we even try? ինչ պիտի ինենք այսօր եթե Հիսուս չգրծավս ենք փդադրությունը փդադրության վերջնել մենք ինչպես պիտի գարենանք Well of course we can because he gave us the great commission in Matthew 28 Անշուշտ կրնանք վերջնել որովհետեւան մեզ մեծանցնարություն դվա Մաթեոս 28-ին մեջ And it's divided into two parts Որ բաժնված է երկու բաժիններով And the one part is go and make disciples of all people baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Ghost. Առաջին բաժինը անիգա է որ գսեք ացեք փոլորացքեր աշակերտեցեք մգրտեցեք զանոն կանուն հոր եւ որդվոյ փոփույն սրտվող This is the gospel of salvation. Ասիգա է փրկության ավետարանը But then he says and then teach them everything that I showed you. Ապա գսես սորվեցուցեք անոնց այն փոլոր բաները որ բահեն այն փոլոր բաներ ինչ որ ես ցեզի պատվիրեցի And that is the gospel of the kingdom Եվ ասիգայե թակավորության ավետարանը And Matthew 24 Jesus is talking and he says you must teach the gospel of the kingdom from testimony Մաթեոսի 24-ի մեջ Հիսուս Քրիստոսի գսե որ ծեր վկայությամբ պիտի սորվեցնեք ասո թակավորության մասին So that means you have to prove it Այսինքն պետք է փաստեք Testimony is proof it's evidence it stands in court վկայությունը փաստ է թադարաններու մեջ անգամ ուժունի So that is God's bigger picture in the earth we must spread the gospel of the kingdom through evidence Ուստի աստուծո ձրակիրը աշխարի վրա ադիգայե որ մենք թակավորության ավետարանը կարոզենք փաստերով And when he says remember me remember me that's what he's talking about Եվ երբ կսեի իշեցեք զիս իշեցեք զիս ադոր մասին է որ գխոսի Teach them what I taught you Սորվեցուցեք այն ինչ որ ես ցեզի սորվեցուց And he never taught you corruption Եվան երբեք փդադրություն չսորվեց։ It taught you the opposite of corruption, caring and sharing in the marketplace. Հագարակը սորվեցուց հոգալ եւ բաժնեք ծիլ շուգային մեջ։ And if we always think of that and always focus on that and always remember him, then he will apply his favor. Եվ եթե մենք միշտ հիշենք զինք եւ իր խոսքը իր այդ խոսքը կորցածրենք, իր շնորհքը պիտի վայելենք։ And it is the favor of God that will take you into the supernatural area of multiplication. Եվ ասո շնորհքն է որ մեզ գամցե բոլորի սպիտիդանի բազմվածության ադկերպնական տաշտին մեջ։ And that will happen in your business and in your jobs and in your family if you do that. Եվ եթե ադիգանենք ասածս բազմվածությունը պիտի բադայ տեծեր կորձերու մեջ տեծեր ընդանիքներու մեջ։ So this is why I take communion every single day of my life. Ադոր համար ես Գյանքիս ամբոլոր օրերուն հաղորդություն գառնեմ։ Even when I'm traveling, even here my communion comes with me. Good red wine in a bottle comes all over the world. Նույնիսկ երբ գջամփորթեմ, հետս գդանիմ, որովհետև ամեն օր առնեմ անգե։ Okay? And that means if when you get up in the morning, if you're taking the bread, you're remembering him. Ադիգանշանը որ արդու ելես եւ հաղորդություն հանես, զինքի հիշես։ Do this in remembrance of me. Որովհետեւ սա ասիգարեք ինձի հիշելու համար։ And when you think of the bread, the bread represents his flesh, his body, right? Եվ այդ հացը խորհրդանշապար գներգացնե իր մարմինը։ It was a body that was incorruptible. Մարմինը որ անեղծանելի էր, փդություն չեր չջանցավ։ So you're taking the bread by saying Jesus today I remember you and I will be incorruptible today. Եվ երբ այդ հացը գառնես, գսես Հիսուս գիշեմք ես եւ ես այսօր փդած պիտի չլնամ։ And then the wine. Եվ ապա քինին։ The wine represents Jesus's blood. Անիգագնե խորհրդանշե Հիսուսի արյունը։ And when he shed his blood, that was the end of his assignment here on earth. Եվ որ իր արյունը բաժնեցավ մեզի հետ ադիգա իր արակերության վերջն էր այս երկրի վրա։ And it opened the way to go boldly before the Father. Եվ ադիգա ջամփան բացավ որ ինքը համարցակությամբ որ արչև երթա։ So from our point of view when we take the wine every day Եվ մեր տեսակետով եւ որ մենք այդ արյունը գարնենք ամեն օր We are saying Jesus I remember you I remember you completed your assignment Գսենք սել գուզենք Հիսուս գիշենք ես գիշեմ որ ցունկու կորձդ գադարեցիր And so I will complete my assignment Ես ալ իմ կորձս պիտի գադարեմ And I will also go boldly before the Father Ես ալ համարցակությամբ հոր արչեւ պիտի գնամ Which means we better learn to pray and spend a lot of time before the Father because that's why he died Այսինքն լավ գլավ որ մենք ասո ներգայության գենանք աղոթքով ժամանակ անցնենք որովհետև ինքը դոր համար մերավ And if we do that there's no way we can be corrupt Եվ եթե ադիգա անենք ծեր չգա որ մենք փդած գլանք Because if you are corrupt you won't even hear from the father he won't even talk to you 
So let me tell you a story about how do we get corruption out of the marketplace. We have a big group of companies. There's over 30 companies that we own. There's over a billion dollar group. Within our group we have five finance companies. And one day, many years ago, two people came to borrow money from one of the finance companies. One of them was a pastor who also had a business. Quite a big church, about 800 people. And the other one was an elder in in a different church. She was a New Zealander living in Australia. So we lent them the money for a project in Fiji. And the, the project was working with telecommunication company. And everything goes well for about 18 months. And suddenly the pastor rips off the telco, steals from the telco. This is a pastor and he's corrupt. So the telco shut the contract. So now they can't pay the interest. So the elder from New Zealand, he sells his house and pays half of the uh, loan back. But the pastor denies being party to the loan. And he's not going to pay anything. Even though the, the, the loan has been going for 18 months and they've been paying interest and everything's fine and he signed everything, he denies being party to this. And he's hiding in Fiji. So eventually it ends up in court in Fiji. And he lies in court. And he's even paying my lawyer to, to work for him. So my lawyer's corrupt. Does it sound like Jesus' time? The, Pharisees, the teachers of the law. Yeah. And eventually in Fiji, they had a coup and they sacked all the judges. So that was the end of the court case. But eventually, this pastor phones me after about six months. And he wants to come back to Australia. And he's weeping on the phone and he says, I'm so sorry, I've lied and I've cheated. My hands are dirty, I can't preach with dirty hands. And he said, will you forgive me? So I said, yes, you are forgiven. And he said, can I come to Australia and we work out a deal? How do I pay the money back? So he comes to see me on a Saturday and I worked out a deal where he could pay a little bit of money for 35 years. Because he said he was poor, he was lying, he had many houses. But it was okay, I thought, all right, you can pay it off over 35 years. But on Monday we go and with the lawyers we'll sign it all off, he says fine. But on Monday he doesn't show up. I get a phone call from the police in Fiji saying, why are you threatening this guy's life? So, and he ran away back to Fiji and so we couldn't catch him. And you know, at that point in time, this was just before the global financial crisis, 2007, 2006, somewhere on there. 
I'm trying to take him to court and I'm trying to trash him so I can get my money back. But on the other hand, I'm teaching people that they mustn't lose their faith and the kingdom of God needs its kings and I'm trying to trash a king. And I heard that he'd snuck back into Australia and he was now in a, in a church nearby. And he's rising up quickly. He's now assistant pastor of a big church in Australia. And I know all the pastors because I've spoken in most of their churches. So I phoned the pastor and said, hey, that guy's a crook and that's the mantle you're putting over your church. So the pastor checks with my pastor and then fires him. And then he did the same at another church. So you have to understand, this guy is a good pastor and he's a good business guy, but he's just a crook. If I can get the crook out of him, we have a, a good weapon in the kingdom of God, right? So I felt the Lord was convicting me. What are you trying to do to this pastor? You said you forgave him. And now you're trying to publicly shame him at every church he goes to. The only outcome that can happen from this, you will get some of your money back and his reputation will be destroyed forever. He is a king priest. How much is his reputation worth to you? And at that time I realized I, I had to pardon his debt. Now if I pardon his debt, I have to pay the money to the investors. We can't let them, these are secular investors, can't let them get caught up in our crazy Christianese philosophy. You understand the concept of sheep nations and goat nations from Matthew 25. Sheep nations, if you look after the poor, if you feed the people in jail, if you look after the refugees and so on, you will come with me where God has planned a place for you in heaven. Goat nations, if you don't look after me, don't do anything, if you don't deal with corruption, then you're not coming, you're going where goat nations go. I'm trying to be a goat yes, at that time. So I thought I better try and change my ways here. 
Now at the same time we are having a massive battle with one of our crooked banks in Australia. Incidentally they are all crooked banks in Australia. I deal with them every day and I challenge them every day. Change your ways. Repent you vipers. They are crooks. So we're fighting this bank over a $22 million loan. The bank lent us some money to build some big buildings. And at that point in time, the bank got into trouble because of the financial crisis that came. We didn't get into trouble, the bank got into trouble. So they decided to recall all of their money out of the marketplace. And they said, give us our $22 million. You've got four days. And we said, that's rubbish. We're building something. How can we do that in four days? So they took over the project and they sold it for $6 million. And at the end of it, they said, now you owe us $14 million. You've got four days. So that's going on in the background and at the same time and I'm fighting them with lawyers and it's costing all of our money to fight this crooked bank. And God is telling me your assignment is to make sure that this crooked pastor is fixed. You cannot do nothing. Fix the corruption. And the only way you can do that is to pardon the debt. I needed that money to pay the lawyers to fight the crooked bank. But I also know the Lord's prayer. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So I spoke to my wife and I said we have to pardon this character. I said, we have to send him an email and tell him to come and bring his wife and then we'll pardon him and he can go. And she said, you're, you're getting more crazy by the day. <laughs> she said, there's something wrong with your thinking. And I said, I don't have any other options, so let's do it. She said, okay, you're the boss, you do it. <laughs> so I emailed the crooked pastor. And he replied for the first time in two years. And I had said to him, come to my house, bring your wife, uh, because I don't think she knows how crooked you are. Bring your wife, and then we will pardon the debt. And he said, I think this is a setup. Uh, and I said, it's not a setup. You can come. I'm not a crook like you. <laughs> so he came really quickly with his wife. And I said, right, sit down. Tell us in this room what you've done. And so he told us what he'd done. He was crying and, and uh, telling us his hands were dirty and all the stuff that he'd done wrong. And I think he was crying because his wife was so angry with him. She didn't know what was going on. Anyway, I said to him when he's finished, okay, pastor, you can go. Your, your debt is forgiven. And he said, really? Am I, is it pardon? I said, yes, off you go. And he said, can I pay that over 35 years like we said before? I said, no, it's done. You go. And I said to him, but from here you have no other recourse. If you don't change your ways, you are insulting Jesus. You have to remember him every time from now on. And I said to him, but from here you have no other recourse. If you don't change your ways, you are insulting Jesus. 
Herajari skutseveret. So he started coming to KI, sitting at the back, never said anything, he just sat at the back, month after month after month. He was learning how to do business God's way. And one day he came to me and said, I've learned enough now. And he started building another business. It was second-hand clothes that he was sending back to Fiji and giving them to, for free to his people. And to the rich people, he sold the, the, the higher brands. That began to fund all the poor people. Uh, with that money he began to fund all the poor people in Fiji. And, and then he rebuilt his church over there. And then he came back into Australia and he's now senior pastor of a big church, well over a thousand people. But within six months this bank now has given me four days to pay this debt. So I went to go and fight with the bank, with the directors of our fifth biggest bank. And we're up on the 18th floor of the bank building with all their lawyers. And the lawyers are very aggressive. When you're fighting with Satan, Satan is aggressive. And we are nose to nose, shouting at each other. And then they started backing off and backing off and backing off. And they started negotiating down from 14 million to 12 million to 10 million. And then they went down to 8 million and 6 million and 4 million. Eventually, we, we agreed for $600,000. And there was a, the builder who was building this uh, development was in the room, terrified. And I said to this builder, you also a crook. You're a crook like these lawyers like this bank. You pay the $600,000. And he said, okay, okay, no more fighting. I'll pay it. So we walked out of there and, and the bank said we want the money by the end of the financial year, which was another three months. So I walked out there and I thought, I don't want this bank holding my personal guarantee for three more months. So I grabbed this developer, I said, you go back in there, you offer them $500,000 and you pay it by the end of the week. And the bank accepted. And one week later it was finished. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then many years later, um, the, I was lecturing at a university. And the, the person who asked me to do the lecture said, we, we are doing a lecture on situational ethics. So this is a Christian audience of the hundred top Christian student, students in our nation. And the guy in charge says, I want you to put the audience in a position where the ethics have to be correct. What would they do in a bad ethical situation? So I phoned the pastor and said, will you come? I'm doing a plan and talk about what you and me went through. He said, yes, I'll do that. So he comes with me and we're sitting here with all of the other lecturers from the uni. These are also Christians, these lecturers. And so that what we have to do is talk to the students. They're all sitting on tables of ten. 
And they just sat there. <laughs> you have to understand this is an impression that these are economic students going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. How do we get rid of corruption out of the marketplace? So after this now we're sitting down having lunch. And there's a young girl inside, she's distraught and crying. Uh, and the person in charge says, would one of you please go and talk to this young lady, she's distraught. Uh, so the pastor says, can I go? I said, my word, you guys, you're, you're a pastor, I'm the business guy. And then he came back after us, I said, what was all that about? And he said, this young girl is a new uh, Christian, she's an Anglican, and she didn't believe and she didn't think anything like this ever worked. And you know what happened? The, um, eight years later, I was lecturing. I was doing KI at our own church, actually. And in front of me down here was two men sitting there who I didn't know. And I told this story for some reason or other, I told this same story. And the one guy is smiling and nodding. And I said to him, were you one of the students, because uh, he's quite young, I said, were you one of those students there? And he said, no, I'm actually a university lecturer and I lecture in economics and accounting. And he said, but I lecture at QUT, which is Queensland University of Technology, and where I did that story was at UQ, okay, University of Queensland. They're two separate secular universities. And he said that in both of those universities, every year they both teach the same story. And then they came to me after that and another university, Griffiths University, these are world-class secular universities, said, will you take our students to learn your business culture? 
teaching our culture to their economic students. Because we proved it, we taught from testimony. And we showed them that God's economic model is the only one that works. The Christian faith will always triumph over corruption. Okay, guys, in closing, can you please put that slide up if it's somewhere? If you want to learn more about the, what I've just taught you, we've got a website. Um, sorry. <laughs> it's called Kingdom Investors. Kingdom Investors. So that is a membership site, guys. Okay. And we lecture all over the world uh, um, to over 60 million people. And we do it for free and we never charge. It costs about $3 million a year to run Kingdom Investors. But this is a, a membership site with $20 a month because we want to create a worldwide movement for change. So it's there if you want to learn more and there's a whole strategy on how to change culture. Okay, let us pray, please. Holy Father, we just honor you in the house today. We just pray, Lord, that as we stand as a, as a group of believers, that you would put to flight the enemy out of this country. Lord, the enemy is not the Muslims, it's not the Druze, it's not anything except Satan who enters people. And so we call upon you to put to flight Satan who enters people. And as we carry out your great commission, we will replace Satan with the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, that we can do it with faith and strength and courage and love. Amen. Thank you very much, guys.